This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Value Inspiration Podcast. My name is Ton Dobber, and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration. The purpose of my company is to help business software companies rethink what can be to become remarkable again. The goal that I have in this podcast is to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential that we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. So my strong belief is that we can think big, and therefore we should. And doing so will help to create a better world for all of us. This podcast is all about that. My guest on the podcast today is David Hofferberth, founder and managing director of Service Performance Insight. The cloud really enabled organizations that were spread out to do a much better job of communicating and collaborating. And, and so the market has really exploded since then. It's difficult to stay ahead of the game in professional services if you're not continually looking forward to understand what the latest, greatest trends are and how your workforce can prepare to adopt to them. One thing that we've found is organizations that do a great job, an accurate job of planning, you know, both revenue and, and margin, they succeed better everywhere else than all the other companies. Planning is critical in professional service organizations. I don't think do as good of a job as I think they'd like to do. You can't buy technology and and then think, you know, your problems are solved. You'll ultimately grow faster, make more money, have happier clients, have happier employees if you focus on the areas where you are performing poorly. This is David, founder and managing director of Service Performance Insights, a global research, consulting and training organization dedicated to helping professional service organizations make quantum improvements in productivity and profit. David has championed solutions for the professional services sector for over 20 years and provided guidance for hundreds of independent software vendors. His ongoing work with business and technology media enables his clients to remain informed and in front of the buying public. David regularly consults with professional service organizations and financial institutions around the world and he's also the primary architect of the Professional Services Maturity Model, a strategic planning and management framework that has grown into the industry-leading performance improvement tool used by over 6,000 service and project-oriented organizations to chart their course to service excellence. During this interview, you will learn three things. Firstly, what PSOs should do to remain ahead of the game. Secondly, how PSOs should change to not be disrupted. And thirdly, where should they focus their IT investment to maximize impact? So to get started, David, can you tell the audience a little bit more about yourself? Sure. My name's uh, Dave Hofferberth. I'm the founder and managing director of Service Performance Insight, or SPI Research, as a lot of people call us. Um, We track professional services organizations 
and the software solutions they use to become, as we like to say, more productive and profitable. Good. So why, why specifically the, the, the professional services sector, David? Well, about uh, 20 years ago almost, I got involved in the early stages of a, of a new product called professional services automation. And I started doing research on it and really found, you know, how important it was for IT consultants, management consultants, architects and engineers, embedded service organizations and, you know, so forth how it could help them better plan and schedule their people, deliver projects, collect all the financial information uh, so that they could get work done on time, on budget, and at the highest uh, possible margin. So I started covering that in uh, 1998 when I first wrote about it. And, you know, 20 years later, it, it really has expanded to all the applications that uh, professional services organizations use again, to become more productive and more profitable. Yeah, that's an interesting discussion. I mean, I, I remember well that uh, when we first met, I think it was 2000 or so, 2001 in Sleedrecht in the Netherlands. A long time since then. So, I mean, th that would be an interesting angle to get further into what the whole concept of this podcast is all about. Can you kind of elaborate quickly or in a couple of yeah, lines, what you see as the biggest change from when PSA started to where it is today? What were the big shifts? The biggest, the biggest change really came about, uh, you know, five or six years ago, give or take, with the introduction of cloud-based solutions. And I know they've been around longer than that, but the cloud really enabled organizations that were spread out to do a much better job of communicating and collaborating. And, and so the market has really exploded since then. And, well, I mean, the, the cloud, I think, is yeah, definitely being a big enabler. From my perspective, there are a number of other things that have mixed into the game as well. And of course, there's, there's clouds as an infrastructure. There's, of course, the data. There's the way we indeed communicate and uh, have become mobile and, and the way we collaborate with each other. And of course, then there's the enormous increase or the, the technology around analytics has, has gained much more power. So I, I believe that with the convergence of technology, we can think big and we should. Do you see any specific examples already lighting up in the PSO sector that are about thinking bigger than five, 10 years ago? Well, sure. I mean, again, I think, you know, part of the move to the cloud was the analytics that, you know, organizations were able to capture, share, uh, to help better plan uh, work in real time. And, and it's, and it's real important. And again, you know, the, the, the previous question you asked me about changes, I, you know, uh, obviously over the past 20 years, the market's turned into more of a project driven market, which means organizations in every vertical market have really focused on projects because they have a start date, a stop date, a cost, and hopefully a value delivered so that it's easier to calculate the ROI on it. So, you know, all of these things happening in real time, the changes in the technology infrastructure over the past uh, 10 years have really made organizations do a much better job of thinking forward, not just looking at some of the information that they've collected and, and you know, and could analyze and, and, you know, report, but really taking that information to, to see out in the future to better understand you know, where they're successful, where they're not, 
what kind of people they need to be more successful and where they're not. And professional services is an interesting market. And I, and I think every market is interesting, but professional services tends to get the best and the brightest. These consultants that are well-educated, but the problem is they're very high in demand. And so organizations have to not only recruit them, they also have to hire them, train them, and then more importantly, keep them because again, in professional services, your core asset is your people and that knowledge walks out the door every day. So again, the market is changing so fast that uh, professional services execs have to stay ahead of the market. And there's a, there's a topic that a lot of people that I work closely with are talking about called disruption and how the market is changing, how the markets are all being disrupted. And it, it's, it's difficult to stay ahead of the game in professional services if you're not continually looking forward to understand what the latest, greatest trends are and how your workforce can prepare to adopt to them. I completely agree on this. So what are scenarios that uh, PSOs and professional service organizations are, are doing in order to stay ahead? Is that only in the analytics space or is it more? Well, I mean, analytics are, are a big place. I think, again, you know, consulting is consulting. And so, you know, these companies are all using analytics to better plan and then, you know, determine where they should be selling, to whom they should be selling, and, and what they should be selling. But also what, what I'm finding or we're finding at SPI Research is that a lot of these professional service organizations don't want to just deliver a service. A lot of them now are embedding products within their client base because those, those products, let's say, can monitor performance, monitor success, monitor value or ROI, and it keeps the professional service provider engaged with the client. So it's not just a, let's do a project, finish the project and maybe sell you something a year from now. They're really trying to deliver services and continue that relationship all the time so that there's always, you know, potential work ahead. And, and so, you know, it's fascinating. A lot of the professional service providers are are, are going up or down the model. You know, some of the ones that provide managed services are moving into more management consulting, strategic consulting. You know, some of those in, you know, strategic consulting are moving downhill to provide more managed services. I think the key is when a company finds a professional services provider it can trust, it has faith, faith in, they want to do more with them. And the professional services providers have to respond by providing more services uh, than they typically have, have, have done in the past. So, again, we see companies around the world continuing to add to their service portfolio new capabilities that probably they would never have considered five years ago. And we're also looking at, and, and it hasn't changed too much in terms of a percentage of revenue, but partnerships are becoming more important as, as a lot of firms realize their strength is in one particular area and they just don't have the ability in other areas. So they partner or they acquire. And again, M&A activity has really picked up over the past uh, three or four years in the professional yeah. services market. Exactly, exactly. I know that your company, SPI uh, Research, is famous for its PSO benchmark, where you always highlight and 
separate the good from the best. Do you see that the best in your uh, in your research have a different eye on on what type type of technology they're using? Well, there, there's no doubt about it. The, as a matter of fact, we'll publish the benchmark survey in about two to three weeks. So this will be our 11th annual survey. So, yeah, we've been doing this a long time. Technology has has always been important in, not has always been, has been important in this market, um, you know, for the past 15 to 20 years. I think when we started benchmarking, you know, there were firms that used, for instance, a CRM solution to, you know, to help plan and sell. All the good firms use some kind of core financial management solution. But as they've grown and and expanded service offerings, many have moved into PSA, professional services automation, to, to more efficiently deliver services. And as they've grown, they've, they've started to acquire human capital management solutions because the fear is that they will lose their people if they don't really monitor their success help them uh, with career path planning, uh, help them with education and training, and, and make sure they're co- you know compensating uh, them for it. And of course, you know it gets complicated because you have people of, of varying skill levels with diverse talents. And so uh, compensation is critical, but then when you sell project-based work to the client base, you have to make sure you're not putting too many of your great people in who who get paid a lot because ultimately that'll reduce your margins uh, for projects. So managing the people, again, you know, it's professional services. Your people are your core asset, just like materials in a manufacturing plant. So you have to optimize the use of skills versus cost uh, to deliver projects. But, you know, everybody, every client wants your best people, but sometimes they're not willing to pay for your best people. So you have to scale down, scale down a little bit. And technology is the one thing that provides the visibility into, you know, how the organizations uh, optimize resources and deliver, you know, more efficiently and effectively. Well, in regards to planning, because that's a very essential element of a professional service organization. Do you see there's, a, there's already a shift happening with the new technologies to, to help with that planning process? You know, I think on they're they're using technology to do a better job of planning. But but what's interesting is we don't see as much of it as I, I think we should. And one of the things that we found this year, I mean, we track about 200 key performance indicators. And there's two that we don't talk about a lot, but cut at the heart of the planning process. And that's at the beginning of a year or quarter organizations have to have to do a revenue plan and they have to do a margin plan. You know, the revenue plan tells them how much do we expect to make? Therefore, how many people do we need? The margin plan helps them better understand the breakdown of billable versus non-billable resources. Uh, It helps them better understand their investment that they will be able to make given margin is the, you know, is the fuel for growth. And, and so they're both very important. And one thing that we found is organizations that do a great job, an accurate job of planning, you know, both revenue and, and margin, they succeed better everywhere else than all the other companies. It's, you know, you think about it, you know, you, you think about a company that says, well, you know, we, we plan to do $10 million in revenue. Hey, we did, you know, 
uh, uh, twelve million dollars in revenue. Well, that's great. You know, you you beat your revenue goal by twenty percent, but the problem is that that probably caused some conflicts in other p- places where maybe people worked too hard and got burned out, or you were hiring quickly but not hiring the right resources, and so attrition ends. And so, continually monitoring your plans is the one way your organization will succeed going forward. So as you see jumps or, or uh, reductions in the demand for services, or as you see margins going up or going down for whatever reason, you're better able to plan to make sure you have the right resources, uh, you know, both billable and non-billable on board so that you can meet your numbers and again, set you up for the next year and the next year and the next year. So planning is critical and professional service organizations, I don't think do as good of a job as I think they'd like to do. <laughs> I've actually interviewed a person from an organization called Aptich. They're now using artificial intelligence to help exactly with that process. It's not exactly the planning process, but it's more the monitoring pro- process and helping organizations to figure out at the earliest possible stage, if things are going wrong, so that they can change course again. Do you already see uh, application of artificial intelligence and these type of technologies in planning process or execution processes? Well, I, you know, again, it, it's, it, it, it gets blurry in terms of, you know, what the capabilities of these solutions are versus AI itself. I think what AI is, is doing the best job, of course, is planning going forward. There And again, like I said, a lot of the solutions that, that I cover have that capability. Um, they, may, they may not define it as artificial intelligence, but, but it definitely serves that purpose as they look out and they, they understand who their current client base is, maybe who they plan to sell to and the types of services. And therefore, the AI capabilities give them the ability to forecast out what kind of resources they will need what revenue they'll generate, and so forth. So believe me, AI, uh, when I was in grad school back in the 80s, we started talking about artificial intelligence. And, you know, probably for 15 years, you rarely ever heard about it. Well, I think over the past, you know, five years, I, again, I just think because of the technologies these days that, that AI is starting to take off. I mean, and of course, you know, you and I could talk about the Internet of Things and all the other interesting things going on but i think ai is the one that is really will help organizations going forward with much better planning and planning capabilities yeah i agree there's an interesting yeah distinction between where to use it there's the the whole role of automation whereby technology and artificial intelligence type of technology is about doing the the non-value added repetitive things in a better way taking actually making freeing people up so to say and the other end is, of course, the augmentation way. So do you have any perspective on, on either two angles, automation or augmentation, in respect to... Well, the, uh, again, as you know, I've, <clears throat> I've covered the automation angle for, for 20 years now. And automation not only takes away some of those tasks that nobody wants to do. What I like about the automation is it provides a structure for organizations to use to make sure they do the right things. You know, you've seen this, I've seen this in hundreds, thousands of organizations that aren't really automated in any way. And they do projects and they make money on them. And, and, you know, they think, well, we're doing great. Well, 
you know, for small firms, sometimes it works, but as your organization grows in size, you need structure, more structure, and automation provides that. I mean, you're not replacing these people with robots, but what you're doing is making them follow specific processes so that they understand when I finish this task, I have to do this task. I have to report this information. It helps the organization better understand where it's succeeding, where it's failing, True. maybe adjusting pricing, maybe adjusting skills, you know, adjusting a lot of things. So automation helps you day-to-day continue to build. The AI, its capabilities are, are looking at all of that and you know, projecting where this will take you going forward. So both important and the leading firms have taken advantage of technology you know, we see it every year in our benchmark, you know, most every organization of, of size, you know, more than 50 people uses some kind of financial management solution. Most of them use a CRM capability. As they grow, we see more of them moving to PSA. And as they get to over a couple hundred employees, they move to a human capital management because they need the structure. They need the automation. They need the visibility. They need the auditability of of the work that's done. So it's uh, it's it's real interesting and and again the leading firms get this they're taking advantage of technology mm-hmm. is the requirement or is the definition of leading firms always by definition big firms or can it also be leading firms as in small nimble startups well there, there, there's no doubt about it you know our benchmark captures a lot of this information and you know smaller firms their advantage is that communication is crystal clear when you've got five people working in the same you know, office, it's easy to make sure everyone's on the same page. As, as firms grow in size, communication gets a little more complicated. A lot of things get more complicated. The larger firms tend to spend money on automation uh, because they're just too big not to. Uh, there's too much information, too much regulatory uh, burden if, if they don't collect the right information. But, but there's no doubt we see small firms very mature, as we like to call it, in a lot of things they do. But generally, you see maturity increase as the firm uh, you know, gets larger in size, uh, brings in more information capabilities, integrates the information capabilities of the various departments so that, so that you know, everyone starting at the top better understands where the firm is and where it's going and you know therefore what 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 do they need to do to improve so it's it's fascinating to watch these organizations and and you you know again because of because of all the benchmarking and i i started doing the benchmarking back in uh, i think it was 2001 on psa solutions to see the the return on investment of these solutions for the organizations that not only buy them, but, but, but use them. And again, you can't buy technology and, and then think, you know, your problems are solved. You really have to use the technology and, you know, run with it and push it to really get the big benefits that you're looking for. Correct. Correct. And looking at uh, that whole history, I mean, I, I know that you've done those benchmarks and it's always been about the return on investment of the solution. If you look at the, the space and you project for the next four to five years, where will the, the, the competitive battle be with regards to those type of solutions? What will be the next big differentiator? 
Well, you know, it's funny, and you know, you you know this because we've we've worked together for so many years. I really thought 15 years ago that more and more companies would move to to vendors that offered all of those capabilities in one solution. So the look and feel was the same. The database was the same. It was easy to, you know, you know, and then you had just one vendor to work with to make sure you were succeeding. And, and really what's happened is it just never quite took off the way I thought it would. But now you see the leading vendors in the market doing a much better job of, of building the solutions that are, that are integrated out of the box that, that do your core financials, that do your core CRM, that do your core human capital management, that do your core service delivery, so that everyone in the organization, you know, has this common look and feel, common set of data to use, so that if I'm the head of HR, I can see where where my skills gap is is trending, you know, probably due to the due to the AI capabilities, and therefore, who do I need to hire and how much do I need to pay for them? So, so again, I've seen best of breed solutions be very successful over the past 20 years, and I just thought eventually it'd be 50-50, but it's still got a ways to go before the, the suite vendors get to that level. But, you know, again, with the cloud, with the faster development of a lot of these solutions, they're not rolling out one solution and then coming up with a new version and then having to ro- try to roll it out to everyone else. They just roll it out to everyone instantaneously, and I think that is what has changed in the information technology market. Okay. If you look at uh, the professional service organizations as, as a whole, what would be the top three advice you would give a CEO of a professional service company to invest in uh, or to, to look for? Well, well, the first thing that we tell every organization is they, they need to compare themselves to the benchmark we delivered because we think that's, that's, that's what tells you where to start. So, Again, we break uh, the market down into, you know, five pillars, your leadership pillar, your finance and op pillar, your human capital pillar, your service delivery, and then your sales and marketing pillar. We have different names. And so what we tell everyone is find the areas where you're the weakest and improve on those. So, you know, some firms, you know, that are great at one thing think, well, we'll, we'll just be great at this. Well, you'll ultimately grow faster, make more money have happier clients, have happier employees, if you focus on the areas where you are performing poorly. So we tell everyone, first figure that out, and then make sure that you have the information infrastructure in place to support you monitoring those those KPIs in real time so that you can see if you're trending in the right or wrong direction. And then we also talk to them about, you know, the, the, the integration of all these solutions Again, the cloud makes it easier to integrate uh, best of breed solutions, but you know, obviously the vendors, the large vendors are doing a really good job of that as well. And so taking advantage of, of the technology to improve performance. And then one of the things we started talking about a couple years ago was platforms. You know, we, we see this market you know, breaking out into some, some key platforms, information platforms. You know, you, you have, for instance, the Amazon Web Services. You have Azure. You, you've got, you know, Oracle's platform. I mean, SAP. So all of a sudden, you see firms building on these platforms. So what what we recommend is is any organization that's looking at this, any software developer that's looking at this, you know, like Salesforce.com. 
the force platform. You know, look to, to make sure your solution runs on a platform, one of these, one of the better platforms out there, because ultimately that'll help it make it easier for you to develop solutions and your customers, uh, it'll make it much easier for them to use and, and to really take advantage of the capabilities that are, that are delivered. So, you know, information's everything and just making sure that you have the right information to better understand, you know, how you're performing um, will help you, you know, grow and prosper, no doubt about it. Yeah, I agree. Final question. The, the way you look at the market right now, and you have a very good understanding of what the, the software landscape is all about. What would be an advice you would give ISVs to stay competitive? Well, again, you know, I, I, I think you have, the, the ISVs have to, to show a value, a return on investment for their, the solution they deliver. And, you know, we, we, we talk about that, but not as much as we should probably, but, you know, when someone buys your solution, what are they, what, what are your customers getting out of the solution? How can you demonstrate that that was a good decision for them to make? So we, we look at the value, you know, performance value organization. It could be making more money. It could be cutting costs. It could be more satisfied clients or customers or, or employees, but making sure that you can demonstrate the value that your solution uh, provides is critical, you know, and then, and then just really looking at the, the various, like I said before, the various platforms, you know, no, nobody lives on an island anymore. I mean, they're, most companies now are not developing on-premise solutions, you know, proprietary on-premise. They're all building in the cloud and just understanding, you know, who those potential cloud platforms are and how you, you know, which one is best for you to use. Because a lot of times when we're advising end user organizations uh, before, you know, they, they may want a PSA solution, but we, we ask them, okay, what, what does your information infrastructure look like? Because if you're, if you're, you're, you're on a particular platform, you know, I suggest you stay with it if you're happy with it. And so that might limit the choices of solutions that you should consider. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a fascinating time in information technology. It's, I think it's starting to get become more clear as there are, are, are not that many great platforms out there. And so, you know, there, there'll be winners that build on them and there'll be losers that uh, take chances and do things other ways, I think. Exactly. It's, uh, it's an interesting time indeed. And time will tell uh, who will stay on and who will, uh, who will move out of the field. Thank you very much, David, for your very inspiring and knowledgeable coverage of the PSO industry. It's fascinating times indeed. So for everybody else, Thank you for tuning into the podcast. I had the honor to speak to David Hofferberth, founding and managing director of Service Performance Insight. You can find more on David in various ways. First of all, Twitter. And the Twitter handle that you can find David on is at SPI underscore research. You can, of course, also find David on LinkedIn or through their website, which you can find on the following URL, www.spiresearch.com. The goal of this podcast is to share compelling ideas and showcases to inspire what can be when technology and people blend in the right way. It's my strong belief that too much focus is put on automating people out of a process, in other words, cutting costs, rather than scenarios where the unique strengths of people are augmented with technology to change the established rules and to deliver a value that was unimaginable before. So with this podcast, I want to make a contribution to change this to create a broader awareness of what can be, to accelerate the adoption by bringing together you, 
a tribe of like-minded people and organizations. And lastly, to accelerate the initiatives and solutions that could be created because one idea inspires the other. So if you know about stories that are worth sharing, please send me a message. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas, and that starts with you. If you want to have more information, read my blogs, or obtain information on working with me, just visit me on my website, valueinspiration.com. Thank you for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast or provide me with your feedback. I'll see you shortly in a new episode. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.